it is a fun and um, crazy week, and you see the fullness of the decorations. I don't think um, Jen McRoberts is in here, but she and whoever helped her do this, um, it's, it looks fantastic. So really excited. It looks great, very festive, a wonderful uh, energy for Pentecost Sunday. We have, uh, Ethel was telling me this morning, 165 kids coming to Vacation Bible School this week. Um, I'm going to be gone. Um, no, I'm kidding. But we, we are very, very excited. It, it is going to be um, a lot of fun. We want to start, though, the, the folks really that we want to recognize and, and pray for. There's really two, two groups I want to ask you to pray for. Not only today, but, but in this week. And certainly, the first is the kids that will be here. Uh, a lot of these kids are our kids, and they're part of our, connected to our church, but a lot of them aren't. And this is a week that we have the opportunity to, to just have a relationship and to, to share the love of Jesus. And that's a gift, and we're thankful for that. And so pray for the kids that will be running all over this building this week. Lift them up each day in prayer. But also pray for the, the wonderful volunteers that have spending their week, I mean, taking a week of their time each night to be here, to lead, to set up, to serve, um, that have been a part of the preparation, that will be a part of the, the, the work afterward. But let's pray for all the volunteers. It takes just uh, an unimaginable number of volunteers to, to pull a week like this off. And uh, what I want to ask, you see a lot of them in their vests today. I see a lot of our volunteers in their vests, but a, a lot of them don't have vests on necessarily. But if you're a Vacation Bible School volunteer in any way, shape, or form, can I ask you to stand? Would you all stand for us? All right. Listen, and we have in, uh, look around. These are the folks to be praying for. Thank you guys very much. And um, uh, we had some in the first service. We'll have some in the third service. We have volunteers that come from other churches that serve. So there's just a lot of folks. Let, let's keep all of that in prayer for this week and for everything that's going to happen this week. And, and for Miss Ethel didn't stand up when I said volunteers, but her work and leading and kind of the craziness of keeping all the pieces together as best we can. It is, it is truly wonderfully chaotic. And so uh, let's take a moment. I want to just bathe this in prayer. Let, let's pray. Lord, we, we are a people of prayer. And, and prayer becomes our spirits opening up to your presence and your strength and your will for our lives. And, and it is that act that opens us up to the way that you use us in ministry. And, and I thank you for all of the volunteers this morning that we recognize for their faithfulness, for their work for the energy and the commitment they make to this week and for the seeds that get planted in the lives of, of young people, children and youth in, in a week like this week to come. And so give them stamina, give them strength when necessary patience, but continue to nurture in them the heart that is already there, which is a heart that, of compassion and faithfulness and, and love for these, these boys and girls and, that will come and, and be a part of this week. And with that blessing for them, bless the children, the, the kids that come. Maybe this is their only week in church all year. Or may they feel the love of Jesus. That's, that's if they take nothing else but knowing that the church is a place that they're loved and welcomed, then we have reflected you. And for those in, that have faith, Lord, nurture that. Nurture that. 
that this week would deepen their, their walk with you and, and their connection to others. And just again, anoint this place by your presence and bless all that will happen here to the glory of Christ. For it is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're excited. So this will be, this will be a, a fun week and um, it'll be interesting to see how the decorations hold up by next Sunday when you come back. Uh, how, how everything looks. And next Sunday at uh, this service will be our v- VBS celebration. We're going to do that in the middle service. We did this last year. And so it'll be different kind of worship. We'll have the kids up here singing. And um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And again, a lot of wonderful chaos. There's holy chaos. Remember, God created out of chaos. And, and so, so that's, that's, that's an okay thing. That's really um, a good thing. So anyway, so, so keep all of that in prayer. Now, in a moment... We're going to uh, turn to John uh, chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, you, you're invited to, to go there and get, get ready. Otherwise, uh, the, the, the sermon will be on the, the screens. But I want to ask to start, uh, how many of you have still your collections of what is now a relic of days gone by? How many of you still have your albums? Do you? All right. Well, maybe not as many as I would have thought. These... Um, these are things that a lot of our young people have no idea what an album was, but the days of, of, you know, this is how you bought music. My first music that I remember buying as a kid um, were albums, still before tapes became the dominant, then CDs and, and now digital music. But, but when you'd, you'd buy the album and you protected it with your life to keep it from getting scratched and would use this to, to listen to music, many um, that are more skilled at music and hearing music. And my son included will tell you that this is a superior way to listen to music on albums versus digital. I'm not enough of, a, of an audiophile to have an opinion one way or the other. But there is some um, desire to bring albums back, some music, and that they're still wanting, uh, because of that, there's still some companies that try to press albums. It's hard because the, the technology or the, um, the equipment is, is now dated and it's a little bit older. But, but I shouldn't say it's totally outdated because there's some movement to bring albums back. I can't get this in here. <laughs> I have to be careful. I have to be careful because, believe it or not, these are not my albums. These are Ryan's albums. Um, and so um, if anyone's curious, I have Rush and Jeff Beck, both 70s stuff that my son listens to. Um, uh, but, uh, but the thing is, and I don't know enough about it, so I want to be careful of, of pretending like I have some deep knowledge of, of recording industry and digital versus um, analog. But I do know there's a lot of neat stories around the recording of, of albums and, and analog albums from where they were recorded and stories of bands that recorded in subways and mansions and, and cathedrals and things because of the, the uniqueness of the sound and the way it captured sound and noises uh, that, that maybe wouldn't nom- normally be common in, in an album or things that nowadays that, that get caught and stories that get caught in recordings that in digital music can be isolated and, and removed. And kind of what I'm getting at is there is an album, I don't have it, but uh, a story around an, a number of albums that were recorded in the 60s by a blues musician um, by the name of Jimmy Reed. Jimmy uh, Reed wasn't one of the, the best-known blues musicians. He was a guitar player, harmonica player. But his music uh, in the 50s and 60s 
would have an influence on groups uh, or individuals like Elvis Presley and the Rolling Stones, among others. So some of his, while popular, some of his impact really is in the groups and the bands that he influenced. But one of the, the stories around some of his albums are that if, if you had a Jimmy Reed album specifically from the year 1963, he recorded three albums in 1963, that if you listen to the recording, as you're listening to the, to the lyrics, you will, in between lyrics, hear the murmur of a female's voice kind of in the background of the track or, or the, 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 the cut, if you will. And you hear this repeatedly throughout the music. And the story is that that voice you hear is Jimmy Reed's wife, Mary Mama Reed, who was a musician herself and wrote some of the music. But she would be in the recording studio, and this is why she was in, not just to be a musician, but because the story is that Jimmy Reed would get so into the playing of the music that he would forget the lyrics to the songs. And so his wife, Mary Reed, would whisper the lyrics to him in advance of, the, of his singing so that she would basically feed him the lines so that he could sing the song in the midst of his playing. He could sing that which he so easily forgot. She was very literally the voice in his ear. And I thought about that image from the days of vinyl albums to, to kind of feed our thinking a little bit, to, to focus our thinking about what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. The, the gift that Jesus gives and promises here, as we'll get to in, in John 14, of, of the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's what we celebrate on, on Pentecost. And so maybe thinking about it a little bit differently than we commonly do. So let's pick up our scripture. John chapter 14 this promise Jesus gives is in anticipation of what he knows is to come, which is not only his death and resurrection, but, but he's preparing for the disciples for a time when he's not going to be with them in the physical reality that they've come to, to know, in, in a tangible expression. They've known Jesus' presence as we know the presence of, of friends and family with them physically, with skin on, if you will. But that's going to change very soon, and he's preparing them, and he's getting them ready, and he's giving them a promise of how his presence will be experienced in light of the change that is going to take place. And so this is what he says. He says, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. 
These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, that we would hear these words to us. Your invitation, your, your promise, your challenge. And that our hearts would be open to you. That we'd know your peace. And we'd live obediently. Challenge us in these moments and bless these words that are spoken, these words that I speak. May they be of your Holy Spirit and may they be pleasing to you. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. I don't know what images come into your mind when we talk or you hear a pastor or a teacher or, or anybody talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit or the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I, I don't want to make assumptions for you. But I know that for me, most often what I think about are the, the dramatic, the powerful, uh, the ecstatic experiences of the Holy Spirit, the miraculous things that the Holy Spirit does in and through those who believe. I, I think of days like Pentecost Sunday. I think about days like that birth of the church. And, and if you're not familiar with the story, I encourage you on this Pentecost Sunday to go read it after worship. Go to Acts chapter 2 and read the story of Pentecost. The story of that, that moment when the disciples there in the upper room, as they have been in the days following the death and resurrection of Jesus, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And, and I think about that because it is a powerful and miraculous story. Uh, the, the scriptures tell us that the winds, it came like a, a mighty wind. And, and they saw what looked to be tongues of fire coming to rest upon them. And then the miracles happened. They, they go from this scared, um, withdrawn community of believers to this bold, faithful, courageous community of believers. And they, they flood the streets of Jerusalem and they begin to preach the gospel of Jesus and says everybody in, in the city who had come from multiple languages and multiple cultures, they understood and they heard in their own language this unique gift of tongues. And, and the end of Acts 2, it says that after Peter had delivered the sermon, 3,000 people were saved. I mean, it is a, a powerful story of, of the birth of the church. And, and it certainly is indicative of the way the Spirit often moves. But I, but I confess that sometimes in, in thinking about the, the dramatic and the, the, the um, miraculous, we lose sight of what I consider to be the more profound and everyday way that the Holy Spirit works. The, the, that which gives birth to these opportunities for God to work in more um, visible ways. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit that speaks gently into our ears. The voice that speaks into our lives to do what Jesus says here. To remind us of everything that he's taught us. To remind us and to empower us to be who we're called to be. The voice that challenges us to show our love for Jesus by keeping his commandments. He says, this is how we will know you love me, that you keep my commandments. That voice that challenges us 
to live faithfully into that. Because that is much easier to say than it is to do. It it is much easier to profess than it is to embody, to, to be faithful. Because life puts us in very challenging moments when we have to make those kind of decisions. Do we choose to be obedient or do we choose to be comfortable or safe? Stories told from the um, presidential uh, campaign about 1975 uh, of Jimmy Carter was coming out of worship on a Sunday morning uh, from his Baptist church in Georgia. I think most of us know that he has been his entire life a, a very um, committed Baptist. And uh, as he was coming out of worship, he was getting, you know, a barrage of questions from reporters who had gathered to meet him. You know, things like, um, how, how was worship? Um, what did you think of the music? What did you think of the sermon? That's what every preacher wants a politician asked on the way out the door. You know, what did you think of the sermon? Uh, you know, where do you think you'll go to church in Washington? Those, those kind of questions, benign questions. When in the midst of that, a reporter yelled out a question. They asked him this. He said, Mr. Carter, if you are elected president and you find the, will or the, the laws of the state to be in conflict with the commandments of God, which will you be faithful to? If you find the will of the state to be in conflict with the commandments of God, which will you follow? And reporter says that Jimmy Carter just paused for a moment, kind of stopped in his tracks. And I, I want to believe he began to hear a whisper in his ear. And looking to the reporter, he said, I will be faithful to the commands of God. At which case, his handlers, his political advisors, his entourage fainted. And (laughs) when they got up, they whisked him out as quickly as possible because that was not the right political answer. That's right. You dodge that question. We know how politics work. But it's almost as if in the moment, and I don't want to pretend to know what he heard in his ear, but, but he heard Jesus saying, if you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. That's what God calls us to. It is a life of faith that gets lived out in faithfulness. A little bit of what we talked about last week. And the Holy Spirit is God's presence with us to, to, to speak that truth into our lives. You know, the, the disciples had to prepare for a change. Jesus wasn't going to be with them in a tangible flesh and bone way that he had been. As he ascends, and as we read in the beginning of Acts, as he ascends to the Father, the Holy Spirit comes to be Christ's presence with us, the advocate, parakletos, which, which means comforter or advocate or, or one who is, who is present with us. And, and that's what Jesus promises. I, I'll still be with you. It's just not going to be the way that you have known it to be up until this point. And that's wonderful because here's what God gives us through the gift of the Holy Spirit that is different than when Jesus walked the earth. When Jesus walked the earth, he was confined by time and place. But here's what our faith teaches us, that God can be with me and God can be with you and 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 all who profess faith in Christ. God's presence that, that speaks God's truth into our lives. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And and we need that. We need that because we tend by choice and by circumstance to be incredibly forgetful people. 
by choice and by circumstance, we tend to be incredibly forgetful people. I mean, we have all found ourselves walking into a room and forgetting why we went, right? I mean, that's a universal. We've all done that because we get preoccupied, because we get busy, because we get crazy. I don't know, but we forget. We've all been in conversations with somebody and said, oh, I know there was something I needed to tell you, but, but I forgot because we get distracted. You know where I do it all the time is when I'm working on the computer and I'm on the internet and I start to go look for something and I see something else, you know, squirrel, that kind of thing, you know, and I see something. Then I forget what it was that I went to go look for to begin with. That, that is a common experience. Well, well, what's true for us in, in those benign ways can be very true for us spiritually. We, we become very, very forgetful. And sometimes it's because of distraction and busyness. Sometimes it's, it's by choice. Uh, because when we forget, um, it's not our fault, right? I mean, how many times with, with, with kids do you go, I told you to do that. And it's not, well, I didn't want to do it. It's not that, that I chose not to do it. It's, oh, I forgot. Or, or let's not say kids. We've all done that. I forgot. Because somehow that feels like, well, if I forgot, it's not my fault, right? If, if I just forgot, well, that's circumstance. So sometimes we forget by choice because it, it lets us off the hook. Sometimes we forget by, by experience. But the Holy Spirit is like the voice of Mary Reed whispering into the ear of her husband, here's the words to the song that you are called to sing. Hear the words to the song that you are called to sing. Here's the words to the life that you have been called in Christ to live. Here's the directions in which God has given. We have this experience and this invitation to experience these voices of remembrance that God speaks into our ear. A few weeks ago, Tony and I were, uh, we were going out for a night. In fact, it was the night we went to the baseball game. And um, we were heading up to, to St. Petersburg. And uh, as we were, were leaving, or as we were driving, Tony said to me, she's like, you know, we're going to be going right by the hospital. And somebody was in the hospital there. And she said, um, you think you should go to the hospital and see them? <laughs> no. <laughs> because we were going to the ball game, and we were having a night out, and we didn't have that much time, and we didn't want to fight parking, and I didn't want to do this, and I didn't want to do that. And here's the truth. I hadn't even thought about it. I, I, it just hadn't even crossed my mind to go to the hospital and do a hospital visit on the way. And I'll say to you very honest, after Tony said it, I was mad that she'd said it. <laughs> I, I, she'll tell you. I said, I wish you had not said anything. I don't feel like going to the hospital right now. This is after hours. I'm off. <laughs> Never really off, but... And, and I was genuinely um, kind of irritated. 
And, and she's like, okay, well, you know, we don't, we don't have to worry about it. And so I sat there and drove in silence and in frustration, knowing that now the seed had been planted. Now I could not think about it. And I said to her, I said, doggone it, this is going to bother me all night long now. If you hadn't said anything, my conscience would be fine. <laughs> and she said to me, she said, so let's go to the hospital. And we did. And it was a wonderful visit. I, I, I'm not going to, it wasn't necessarily life-changing. It was just a good opportunity to, to have a moment with somebody and to have a prayer and, and to be present. And as we left and we're coming down the elevator, I thought, oh, no. I have to admit she was right. <laughs> and I told her she was, as she often is, yes. And I, and I thought about that experience, and I thought, you know, that, that to me became a, a, a grounding metaphor. It, it became a, a human experience that, that speaks to what I think is a, a more profound spiritual truth in the way that God speaks to us. Because there's a couple things that have to take place for us to, or, or that we need to recognize about the way God works through the presence of the advocate, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And one is... We have to learn how to hear that voice. We nurture our ability to hear in a relationship. And that relationship is nurtured through the spiritual practices that often we talk about. Through this time of worship. Through this, the, the reading of scripture. Through prayer and through times to, to be open and intentional about being willing to hear God speak. Just like Tony and our relationship has been nurtured through 25 years of being together. I know how to recognize her voice. She knows how to recognize mine. So we learn how to recognize the voice of God. We, we also do it through our connection to other Christians. Because here's the thing. Sometimes people will say to me, well, I've never heard God audibly speak. I've never heard God speak. And most of the time we're thinking about Moses at the burning bush or, or Jesus at the baptism, those voices of heaven. But, but here's the thing. I, I, I'm pretty comfortable saying this. You have heard God speak. You just haven't recognized it. And you've heard God speak. All of us share this. I am certain God has spoken to you in an audible voice. Sometimes that audible voice just sounds like the voice of somebody you know. Sometimes that voice comes to you through the voice of a spouse, or the voice of a friend, the voice of a, a fellow believer, somebody in your circle of relationships that God uses to speak God's truth into your life if you learn how to hear it, if you know the voices that you need to trust and listen to, if you've been nurtured in a community grounded in a faith in Christ. We, God speaks. We learn how to hear. But here's the, the other truth about that. Sometimes we just don't like what God says. Sometimes we just don't like what God's speaking to us. Sometimes we don't want to hear, hey, maybe we should stop by the hospital. Because we'd rather not. Because we have to get away from this notion that God calls us, that our faith somehow is a ticket to comfort. That our faith, that God's priority for us is, is for us to be comfortable and well taken care of. That is not God's priority for us. God's priority for us is us to be faithful. 
God's priority for us is to us to be obedient. God's priority for us is to live out the commandments, which are love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So when Jesus says, if you love me, you keep my commandments, what does that look like? It looks like the way that we love God as we love others. And sometimes that means that when the Holy Spirit calls us, when the Holy Spirit speaks, it moves us into places we'd rather not go and do things we'd rather not do. Because God calls us to faithfulness and sometimes even sacrifice on behalf of the other. That is the way of Jesus. So if we're honest, we have to recognize that when the Holy Spirit speaks, sometimes we just don't want to hear. We would just prefer not to. And I am the chief of sinners when it comes to that. I can't, I, I shudder to think about the times in my life that I have chosen to ignore the voice of God rather than to be obedient to the voice, to the Holy Spirit, to the, to the whisper in the ear. Because I just really didn't want to. And I think when we confess that, when we name that, when we recognize and own it, God can begin to work in our lives to help us overcome it and choose obedience and faithfulness over comfort and self-preservation. We nurture the relationship that allows us to learn to hear, and then our call is to respond in obedience. Because when we do, God gets us where God wants us to be. God puts us in the places God can use us to live out those commands of love to live out the commands which we've been called to. And when we're disobedient, sometimes it gets us in places we ought not to be. I remember years ago, uh, a, a pastor and, and consultant speaking to me when I was going to do a new church start in a relationship with the church that I've talked about before. And, and I remember him saying, he heard all our plans, he heard everything we had mapped out, and he said to me point blank, he's like, I don't think this is as good a plan as you think it is. He, he said it more tactfully than that. But he kind of was saying... I don't think this is really such a good idea. And I can remember thinking, he didn't know what he's talking about. I know he's the expert, but he didn't know my situation because I liked our plan. Our plan didn't go so well. It proved to be prophetic, his words, but I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear it. And I've thought a lot about why I didn't want to hear it over the years. And I think ultimately it's because I didn't want to change course. I wanted to go where I wanted to go. Well, I didn't call us where we want to go. God calls us where he needs us to go. And so we learn to listen. We learn to be obedient to that voice. We remember who we are because too often we get lost in a sea of forgetfulness. And the Holy Spirit's there to remind us. And when that happens, it's a powerful and a beautiful thing. One of my first ministry responsibilities as, a, as an associate pastor at St. Paul in Largo when I came out of seminary was to be in the rotation to lead worship at a nursing home once a month. The church had volunteers led worship every Sunday. On a Sunday afternoon, uh, we would go to this nursing home and somebody would come and play and we, we led worship there. And so once a month, I was the preacher who would go and do that. And um, I remember the first Sunday that I did this. I'd come and I'd preached a sermon that Sunday, so I had my 25-minute sermon, and I was just going to deliver that again, and the residents started coming down. And I was completely unprepared for the experience, because a lot of the residents um, were from memory units. They were suffering from dementia, Alzheimer's, other, other um, illnesses that had kind of robbed them of, of knowing each other, 
knowing who I was. And so you've not been challenged here. You've tried to preach in front of a group that is completely and totally uninterested in anything that you have to say. Well, I shouldn't say uninterested. They're just unable to focus. And, and I can remember thinking, this is fruitless. I don't know why we're here. They don't know who I am. They don't know each other. I'm not sure what, what this purpose is. And a 25-minute sermon became a five-minute sermon with two quick points and a prayer. Because it was a sea of forgetfulness. Until the music started. Until the hymns started to be sung. And amazing grace. And how great thou art. And come thou fount. And all of a sudden that sea of forgetfulness melted away. And they, it was almost as if that voice spoke into their ear. And they remembered who they were. And they sang those songs of faith. It was amazing. It was beautiful. It was powerful. It had nothing to do with me. It had to do with a deep-seated memory deep in their spirits about who they were. These were men and women who had spent their lifetime listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, hearing the whisper in their ear. And they would, in those moments, remember exactly who they were. That voice speaks to us. It reminds us who we are. Like Mary Reed in the ear of her husband, so the Holy Spirit speaks in us. You are mine. You are mine. Keep my commandments. Live my love. Remember who you are. That's the voice in each of our ears. That's the gift of Pentecost. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Lord, that we would celebrate that gift. That we would celebrate that gift of, of remembering who we are and who we are called to be. And living faithfully into that invitation and challenge. Living as disciples of Jesus. Lord, in these moments as we worship, speak to your truth into each of our lives. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen.